Welcome to episode 147 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Welcome back to another episode. Um, I have a resource slash a hack that I probably should have been obvious to me, but I just kind of figured it out today. Um, I was looking for a copy of a book that I have used pieces of with students, and I have like an old someone scanned it into the computer kind of copy of it, and it's um, the I Survived series, but especially the one I've been doing is I Survived a Shark Attack. (laughs) And if you have that, like, you know, kind of 10 to probably 14, 15-year-old boy, I know that's kind of stereotyping, but (laughs) Mm -hmm. that seems to be really popular with them, and I can still go into vocabulary and, you know, um, story parts and answering WH questions, but it's in something that's, like, really interesting to them because it involves someone getting eaten by a shark or almost eaten by a shark. And but so I was looking for another copy of it today. And then I was like, oh, I wonder if I could get it on Kindle and do a screen share. And that's what I did. I think I had it free, could get it free on Kindle because I'm on like Kindle Unlimited or something mm-hmm. like that. And then it worked fine to open up Kindle in my browser and screen share my browser. Oh, and it yeah. just was like it even had the illustrations in it, too. And it was this nice, beautiful, not scanned in <laughs> copy of the story so that would be my resource and hack that i've survived books there's a whole series of them if you have that kind of like adventurous teen that you're trying to find a good Mm -hmm. book for them and then using kindle as to share stories i haven't heard anyone doing that you know and i think i'm in the kindle unlimited as well so yeah i didn't even think about Maybe I know. I don't to. know why I why I didn't either. Probably because I usually like I'm accessing it with a device and not right. just on the browser. But it works great on the browser and it like looked great, was easy to share. Um my husband showed me another thing that you can highlight things on Kindle and mm-hmm. then create like almost like little shareable posts where it's put like the highlighted quote and shares who it was from and makes it like a nice pretty background too. So you could even do that to maybe like work on vocabulary words, send them the little vocabulary word section. That could work too. That's that's really cool. And I, I know the new, just as a quick aside in terms of technology, the new Kindles coming out have a pencil, like not not an Apple pencil, but a Kindle pencil. But yeah. You can actually write on on the page, so to speak. Nice. To take notes if you're, you know, wanting to highlight something with the pencil yeah. or take notes or something that's what i find myself doing is a mm-hmm. read something and i want to write something down so i don't forget it right, and then right trying to find a pen and paper and all that stuff yeah and having it di- be in a different spot than the ebook and, right yeah. exactly so but using your browser i guess i just never thought about that yeah you know i've used i have my kindle device and then i have my phone with the app that i sometimes will fill time and pull up my book that i'm reading up reading and look at it on my phone but uh yeah that's that's a great idea. I have some some older kids that might just really like that. Yeah. Awesome. So on the show today, we have Jessica Lindenholt from Sidekick Therapy. And uh, you know, they're, they're down in Tennessee doing some great work. And she's going to give us an update on Sidekick as well as some legislative things going on around the country. And so exciting to 
to have her on. Well, Jessica, welcome back to uh, Telepractice today. So give us an update on what's going on. I was so excited to see you, Asha. I've been following along for a while now, and you have just so many great speakers on. So thanks for having me back. Um, so my name is Jessica Lindenholt, and I am a speech-language pathologist. I have been practicing around 15 years now, hard to believe. And I've worked in a variety of settings, so hospitals, home health, schools, private practice, teletherapy, and I am currently the chief clinical officer for Sidekick Therapy Partners. So Sidekick is the largest pediatric private practice in the state of Tennessee. We have a little over 150 teammates and wow. serve around 4,000 students and clients throughout the state. Wow. And I'm also serving as the VP of Legislative Affairs this year. So, you know, I don't have enough to do. I like to stay busy. And um, so <laughs> that is for the Tennessee Association of Audiologists and Speech Language Pathologists, or TASLIP. So I am heavily involved and learning a lot about advocacy at the state level. So staying busy. That 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 is that's a lot. That's a yeah. You have more than one plate spinning there. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about Sidekick. Um, so how have things progressed uh, in this post COVID, so to speak, post COVID? Even though people are still getting it, um, this post COVID world. I feel like we lived like three lives since then, right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So what we're kind of seeing really in not just in Tennessee, but in other states, I was actually attending an ASHA seminar a few months ago where they talked about the nationwide shortage of speech language pathologists, and especially in schools. And what we're seeing in Tennessee and in many other states uh, that kind of border us and neighbor us is that there's a much higher need for services post-COVID. And there are fewer speech language pathologists to treat those clients. So through whatever happened during their life during COVID, you know, whether they're they're deciding to leave the field of speech language pathology or they're just kind of shifting where they work, or maybe they're cutting back on hours, maybe there are fewer, you know, that are graduating or choosing the field. We're just noticing that overall fewer SLPs to treat those clients. Um, it's it is interesting in that um, what we've seen over the past couple of years with our cohorts at the University of Akron, they've been smaller cohorts. Um, when I first started there, um, for example, uh, eleven years ago, I taught a phonetics class, and we had to have two sections of phonetics at the undergrad level, and each section had about seventy five students in. Wow. This past fall, I taught an undergrad phonetics class. I had 19 students. In one <laughs> section. In one wow. section. Yeah. And then our graduate program, I think this uh, this group that's graduating in May, I think has 23 students in it. Um, so although the ones coming in this fall, there's more. There's probably going to be closer to 28, just a few more. But mm -hmm. uh, many years ago, we had 40 in every cohort. So it, it's a, it is an interesting time. It definitely is. And I know there's some things we're trying to do. I, I'm all about going to high schools. I think I'm even talking at a middle mm -hmm. school, like going ahead and, you know, really sharing what our field does. Um, I know we're trying to pass some different bills and laws that will hopefully help. I know a big one um, is the interstate compact. So Tennessee mm -hmm. was able to pass that this past year. And I believe I was trying to count right before this because there's a lot of legislation out there right now. I think there are 21 states that are currently in the compact. 
with maybe around another 14 that have legislation pending. So we're definitely hoping more will follow. Um, But the interstate compact will allow those seeking a license in one of the compact states to do so more quickly, uh, hopefully at a lower cost. And in some states, you know, it can take several months to get a new license. So I've practiced in Texas and in Tennessee, and I was a little shocked at the length of time it took for me mm-hmm. to uh, get my license. Um, and I've, that heard, I've heard Texas being one of the harder ones. Well, I had less of an issue in less Texas of, oh. <laughs> than Tennessee. Um, but, you know, I think all of them, it just kind of varies and depends year to year. Yeah. Um, number of applicants, if they are understaffed, mm-hmm. all of the things. But yeah, it can take several months. So that creates a hardship for those applying kind of limits, you know, access to care for patients in that state right. too. So um the Interstate Compact should really help students, clients, patients gain access uh, to a licensed SLP quicker. And it's a huge win for teletherapy um, because now right. licensed audiologists and SLPs can you know, practice in person or through telepractice across state lines, which I hope helps some of those states that are experiencing um, you know, just sort of a, a general loss of, of SLPs and new people coming out of, of universities. Yeah. Yeah. I'm currently working in one of those states that is having a hard time. And I keep on hearing um, our special ed director kind of say, oh, well, nobody wants to work anymore. But Mm -hmm. I think it's that a lot of what you've talked about, those other factors that so many people, you know, had to stay home or figured out that they could stay home once they tried it and they had to adjust that anyways. And then it was harder to adjust back or they found different ways to get employment or they started working from home and realized they'd rather do that. And so they're doing teletherapy. So I think it's much more than just the people don't want to work anymore. I'm tired of Mm -hmm. hearing that. (laughs) Yeah. And burnout is a real thing Mm -hmm. because it's the, you know, the demands of a school therapist are high. And then if you're having a, a shortage in your district, you're not just taking on your workload, you know, you tend to yep. just, it just tends to pile up. I know I had a caseload of 110 as a school SLP at one point. So mm-hmm. um, I know what that's like. And it I can yeah. only imagine kind of in that post COVID world of, of, you know, going through everything and already kind of being exhausted and then seeing your caseload uh, continue to rise. So yeah, Sidekick's getting a lot of calls from districts, especially rural districts, where they just can't find SLPs. Um, So we are definitely seeing that contract services are more needed, but also teletherapy services, because these are rural counties where it might be really hard to find, uh, you know, an SLP in person. So we're able to use teletherapy as that stopgap to, you know, kind of provide coverage until we can find an in-person therapist able to drive Mm -hmm. or that randomly lives in, you know, one of these rural communities. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or a combination of the two. I'm Mm -hmm. hoping that my district in Idaho gets a combination of the two at some point, because there always is those kids that just would do better in person, I think, than online. So when you have that availability to tailor that to each student. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. we've noticed an increase throughout our state. using teletherapy, that really wasn't Mm -hmm. a thing that Tennessee did previously. I know there are a lot of other states that used it pre-COVID and they've continued its use because they really see that value in it. Tennessee just wasn't really one of those. You did not hear about teletherapy very often. And it's been great to see SPED directors, teachers really embrace it because they really see the value in it now, Um, have had great things, great experiences. And so I think that was a huge win for our state, you know, as terrible as COVID was, being able to also present another effective um, method to provide services was something great that came out of it. Um, 
people's just mm-hmm. openness and willingness to to give it a try. I think so too. And when we, if we go back to the interstate compact, I know that like a lot of states have kind of those, and even the nation has the kind of those emergency orders and things like that that are expiring now. So is there anything that you need or we need to do as SLPs to make sure that those, that legislation like stays in place or the ones that need to be passed get passed? What, what can we do to help with that? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so, uh, putting on my advocacy hat, um, reach out to your state organization. I know, for example, Tennessee, we were able to get um, the Emergency Act ended, but we were able to get it in place. But it sunsets in 2024. So we have to continue mm-hmm. to fight and advocate for it. ASHA has some incredible resources. If you reach out to advocacy at ASHA, they will send you some like sample letters, some different campaigns they've used. They could connect you with other states, your state organization. I'm sure it's top on on their roadmap as well. So reach out to them, find out how you can get involved. Um, Letter writing campaigns, definitely working with lobbyists and your state organization um, when you know that maybe your states getting ready to have a sunset clause, as much information as you can help them pull together. I know I was asking a lot of private practice owners, send me videos, send me parent testimonials, like legislators want to see that they want to hear how it's actually going. Many of them, you say teletherapy, and they, they think of those doctor visits, where maybe they're on their phone, and like being able to show them what teletherapy can be was really impactful uh, for us. So Definitely get connected with your state advocacy group. There is so much that you can do and they need people. I know people always assume, oh, like somebody else is going to do it. No, you have to Mm -hmm. be that person. So we have to be the change. It has to be you. Don't assume someone else is is going to do it for us. Yeah. And I think also that, you know, the person who is in your state organization that's working on that, you know, that legislation advocacy may not be someone who has done telepractice and is super interested in it. But if you can go and say, like, I am someone that's done it and I believe in it. And if you need someone to say like this works and show how it works, you know, letting them identify you as one of those people. Absolutely. Because that's what we need. Like I would say that, you know, I don't have an expertise in like all areas either. And so when a certain law pops up, I need that list of people I can go through and call and be like, oh, they really focus on, you know, audiology with adults in this specific location. Mm -hmm. And so when I see a law pop up or a bill pop up, um, I really need that list of people to call. So yeah, even if you've never done advocacy before, that's okay. Don't be afraid. They will help guide you. So just raise your hand, throw your name in there. Every little bit helps. And and what I've seen that even in Utah, when I was out there many years ago, we worked on some funding things. And what we did at that time is um, it was actually over it was over the christmas holidays we found out where all these state legislators were going to be and we called all their <laughs> offices and we kind of divided up the list and we went out and met with them like in 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 like for restaurants and and all, <laughs> supermarkets wherever we could find them and and gave them information about what we needed and we ended up getting the funding um so you just never know the kind of impact you can have on some of these issues. But related to to some of that, what I've been reading in terms of at the federal level and what I'm seeing in Congress is that there's probably six or eight different telehealth bills that are still 
still alive, so to speak, uh, working their way. And and hopefully uh, those will be supported by ASHA and uh, and we will have a role, speech pathologists, audiologists, allied health will have a role in those. And, and we can see a lot of these uh, telehealth, telepractice uh, stipulations that were approved for COVID continue permanently. I know ASHA is a huge, they, they truly believe in telehealth and telepractice. So I know they would, you know, they're willing to back us up, provide us additional resources. Um, I don't know if everyone is aware, but, you know, ASHA does put out an advocacy newsletter. It's completely free mm-hmm. to sign up. And along with that, they'll sometimes have call to actions where mm-hmm. maybe it is a telepractice law that's a bill that's popped up and, you know, they have the letter pre-written and you like click a couple of buttons to find your legislator. And maybe you choose to add a few like statements very specific to you. But even if you decide not to do that, it is like three clicks and send. So they make it mm-hmm. so easy for you to uh, engage in letter writing campaigns and let people know about what we need as as a profession. I would agree. It's it's not that hard to do. Even that can go yeah. a long way. Yeah. Um, um, and I was just thinking, I just got an email from one of the states that I'm uh, currently licensed in talking about a new policy that was going to go into effect about um, telesupervision for SLP assistance and watching for those things, too, when they come up, because usually they have a, co- a public comment period. And I'm always like, Asha did this, too, when they, you know, were redoing their things with telehealth and telesupervision. And I'm always pretty quick to jump on those and be like, OK, if we're saying that it's equal to in person, <laughs> then we need to not regulate it like it's not equal to in-person <laughs> therapy. Yep. Yeah, and that's so great. And like, there's ways to track bills in your state. So I think each website's slightly different. But if you go to your state mm-hmm. website, like oursstn.gov, you can track bills. So you can kind of like favorite bills and track them through the process. So um, if your state organization lets you know, like, hey, this house bill is up and it relates to telepractice, you can then track that bill Um you know, sort of track the progress on it and see what happens. So I know that's one thing that was very hard for me in the beginning. I was like, how am I going to read through these hundreds of bills? Um, But usually if you reach out to your state organization, they can let you know which bills are, you know, more related to our field. Um, And then of course, telepractice is something that, that impacts a lot of different professions. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then working with other associations Mm -hmm. and other professionals that have that united front going forward, I think is going to be important as well makes a huge impact. So I know that we've paired a lot with occupational therapists in our state, um, some other groups as well, ABA therapists and different ones. But that's where you see the biggest impact is when you have multiple, you know, state organizations coming together. And, you know, you've been able to agree on some terminology and agree on Mm -hmm. some wording and you're all, you're all backing that bill does make a big difference. Exactly. Well, Jessica, as, as we were logging on, you were, uh, Explaining that you were doing some therapy today with uh, bilingual therapy. I was. I was. <laughs> we, we had a pirate background up. You know, we were sailing the seven seas, <laughs> looking for those gold coins, practicing all of our great sounds. Um, yeah, I like to have a good time uh, in therapy. And I find that kids are really engaged. There's less distractions. Our kids love technology. Um, my own children are obsessed with technology, probably too much so, right? But um, <laughs> right. so I just find that they're really engaged. 
And so I see, um, you mentioned that it is better for some kids, you know, maybe some others, they do better with in-person. I found a lot of kids on my caseload though, are just super, super engaged with teletherapy. Uh, We were very lucky to have our own teletherapy platform that was created, you know, with therapists backing it and um, sort of trialing it along the way. And that software is now officially available for everyone to use. So I'm going to put in a quick plug for ambiki.com. It's A-M- B-I-K-I.com. So they have a lot of amazing free resources as well as their teletherapy platform that just has all these cool, fun features um, built in. And they just recently launched their um, electronic medical record system. And they have a lot of other fun features to come, including some built-in games. So really enjoy teletherapy. Speaking about bilingualism too, since you brought that up, mm-hmm. that is another thing that I've noticed. Um, you know, working with Sidekick, we have had the ability to offer different services because of telepractice. So, um, and one of those is completing multilingual evaluations. So in many cases, a district, especially a rural district, you know, they don't have access to a Spanish speaking SLP or an Arabic speaking SLP. Um, But Sidekick, we have multiple multilingual bilingual therapists, we have one that speaks five different languages. Um, So we're able to offer those services via teletherapy, become a part of the evaluating team and help determine if a child has a difference language difference, or if it's truly a disorder. So that is something else that has really come out of this, you know, being able to provide a specialty service to districts that otherwise, you know, really just wouldn't have access to those. Right. Yeah, that's, um, I think that's for private practice too. If you have that, um, that niche that you're kind of in and being able to provide that widely, I think is really important. But, and even through connecting to other therapists and as a therapist myself using telepractice to connect to other therapists. And like I had a, a student recently that is bilingual but is mostly speaks English, but still has been exposed to Spanish for his whole life. So I just made sure, you know, that everything that I was doing and everything that I was seeing was because of a disorder and not a difference, even though I wasn't testing in Spanish. So I think that's important and can be another way. It's even if you're not going to have someone else do the evaluation, using telepractice or other ways to link out um, to those other therapists as a therapist ourselves. Absolutely. Or using translators again, you know, they're just not always easily accessible in every district, especially with some specific dialects. So even if you have a Spanish speaker, they may Mm -hmm. be from a certain country or region that you're just less familiar with. Mm -hmm. And so um, being able to pull in translators, translators into teletherapy as well can be super helpful. We had a situation uh, at Akron Children's recently where there was a family from a very rural area of Guatemala. And they were indigenous, an indigenous family that had made it to the United States. And there was like, no one knew this dialect. (laughs) And and we had, we contacted a cochlear implant program in Guatemala. And and they're like, we have no problem. I mean, we have no, no translator either because we, we struggle with that dialect too. It was like, well, what are we going to do about that? And we, we finally found someone, but it took, it took some some real digging to get, uh, you know, an act, you know, a real interpreter who could work with us, who knew the dialect, who knew English, and could really function in that way. But it was it was a it was a bit of a, a challenge sometimes. Yeah, I can imagine because there are. Um, I studied abroad in Quetzaltenango, Guatemala, and so there mm-hmm. was um, 
I remember the uh, Quetzal is one of the languages. Yeah, it's nothing like Spanish. Like it's it is right. definitely its own indigenous language that is entirely different. And um, of course, this lady didn't speak Spanish, and I didn't pe- speak Quetzal. And we're trying to like communicate and barter, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and you don't really think about that as much in the U.S. But I think we're seeing more and more um, immigrants, especially even in our rural communities. Like I think before, I you just I would not have gotten called to do an evaluation in certain communities, right? There just wasn't certain jobs there that were available. And I am seeing that more and more they're, you know, just different, not necessarily just Spanish speakers, but, you know, there, there are people from all over traveling to these rural communities in Tennessee mm-hmm. that, um, you know, traditionally we probably wouldn't see. So, which is great mm-hmm. on one side. And then on the other side, we're like, yeah, we have to be able to provide appropriate services for these kids. And like you mentioned, sometimes it's really hard to find someone who speaks a very specific dialect and english so that they're able to translate back and forth easily right I th- and i think you know the stupid americans <laughs> who only speak one language <laughs> uh when we think of central america and south america we always just oh they're all they all speak spanish well no they, there's mm. spanish there's por- portuguese there's local dialects there's ind- indigenous people you know it's it's that kind of thing but one of the things that that has been interesting here um in akron is and Akron Children's is that um, we have a very large community from Nepal. So it's been interesting working with those families and of course the hospital employees, um, interpreters, and they come into the sessions and it's a very interesting language. And uh, but they've developed a community here and and so many are leaving Nepal and coming to Akron, Ohio yeah. as as their destination. That's what we had um, at Utah State University, which is in a very, very small town. Like the public, the population doubles every time school is back in session. <laughs> and but we'd have a lot of grad students that were from um, different countries. So when I worked in early intervention, and we'd have part of like the family student housing was in our early intervention area. We had some languages that I had never heard of, but that we had to try and find translators for. Yeah. Yeah. The last evaluation, my CF, uh, my most recent CF did. um, I was like, I've never heard of this language. (laughs) I was like, we are going to have to do some research. And we did. And this child actually had received um, services in their um, home country as well. So we knew we were already on the right track. We knew they probably qualified considering they had received Mm -hmm. some additional services, but there was a lot for us to learn and very limited resources. So dynamic assessment, so important. Um, Mm -hmm. Lucky lucky for us, Asha had a little bit of information on Mm -hmm. this language and we were able to, um, you know, pull together an evaluation that we felt confident with, but you know, as a speech language pathologist, you're always learning, right? You got to be the best learner in the room. You're always learning and growing and um, luckily we all love language. So, mm-hmm. um, hopefully you love language if you're a speech language pathologist and it's part of the reason you got into it and communication is important. And so I don't mind researching other languages. Mm-hmm. And so we had a good time, uh, trying to pull together all the information to have an effective evaluation. Sounds great. So Jessica, when you were on before, did you participate in our moment of Zen? Oh, I did not. This is new. She's pre-moment of Zen. Pre, pre-moment <laughs> it has of been Zen. a long time. So we have uh, 
three lists of questions. List A, list B, and list C. And these will help us get to know you even better. I like it. So you can choose which list you would like to have. List A, B, or C. I'm going to go for list B today. Lots of Bs recently. Oh, well, if you want to mix it up, I'm open to that too. (laughs) No, that's fine. You are your own unique person, your own (laughs) unique answers. So it'd be fine. Um, List B. So question one, would you describe yourself as an introvert or an extrovert? Mm. Fun fact, when I was in preschool, they wanted to refer me to a psychologist because I refused to speak or play with other kids. I don't know at what point that changed for me sometime in high school, maybe, (laughs) Um, but I became a little bit more of an extrovert. However, I have to have my quiet time too. So so I'm probably a good mix, but definitely more extroverted than I once was. I now talk and play with others. (laughs) (laughs) You've learned to share and do all those. Learn to do all those great skills. Um, Second question. What's the best compliment you've received? Mm. The best compliment I've received. That's a tough one. I will go with a recent one that's that's more related to our field. I had a kiddo that graduated from speech that is now on the student council. And he actually, I'm going to probably tear up, but he sent me the sweetest little thank you video. Um, so right. he's a kiddo that I had been with for a really long time. And he was just so excited to make student council. And now he's able to communicate and people are able to understand him. So super That's sweet. That's amazing. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Next question. Who has been the most influential person in your life and how did he or she impact you? Mm, gotta love those too. <laughs> So lots of influential people, lots of incredible mentors um, just along the way. I am going to say, tricky, tricky, tricky. I have a couple that are coming to mind right now. Um, I'm ultimately going to say, though, currently it is my husband. Like he just encourages me. We've been together for 20 three almost years. So uh, he has been a huge part of my life and just been a huge encourager every step of the way, always wanting me to be my authentic self, be who I am as a person, chase after dreams, you know, even if that means Mm -hmm. like we're having to move across the country. Uh, (laughs) He moved to the border with me. You know, why not? He didn't speak Spanish hardly at all. He actually, he won't mind me sharing. I think, I think he failed Spanish in high school. (laughs) But when I said, hey, I really want to do this, we're going to move to the border. He's like, sure. And and off we go. So he's just always been an incredible supporter. Um, and of course, he's always that ear that I can rely on to kind of provide guidance to. So he's been incredible and in impacting both my career and, of course, personally as well. Awesome. You get <clears throat> special brownie points for saying your husband. <laughs> Well, there's the a lot of people that came to mind. Too. Really? Yeah. 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 Husbands are important. Yep. Well, yeah. over about half my life, over, <laughs> over half my life now has been with him. Yeah. So, so yeah. They're, they're pretty crucial when you don't have any coworkers, too. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah. When, or, when or, you're working from home a lot. <laughs> I know. I know. I've got he's he's tech support. He's um, I call him my um, him and my sister-in-law, too, are both my regular education uh, consultations because mm. he's a high school teacher. My sister-in-law is an elementary school teacher. So and yeah, so that's who I bounce ideas off, who I say, are my kids going to like this or not? Mm. They can be very helpful. <laughs> he's a school administrator. He's mm. a former special ed teacher. Oh. See, yeah, see, uh, and after this podcast, we're going to Dancing with the Stars because he was nominated for our local Dancing with the Stars. So he's also that just that guy who's willing to go do and try it all, and I love that because I love to do and try it all as well. So, uh, yeah, we get to go with Dancing with the Stars here in a little bit. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, next question What do people misunderstand most about you? About me. Mm. misunderstand it's probably an easy one uh i am a very direct communicator i've read a lot about enneagrams and all the different personality types and i Mm -hmm. am a very direct communicator which can sometimes come off very like i'm telling you to do this there's no other option like and really what i'm trying to do is like oh here's what i would do and i'm doing it in a way that i i think is helpful but needing to be very aware of how everyone communicates differently. They receive information differently. I can tell the same message to five people. And if they're all different personality types, they hear something different. So Mm -hmm. I always try to do a good job early on uh, talking to someone new that I'm working with about my communication style, my personality type, my Enneagram, whatever Mm -hmm. it might be, and try to give them some insight into when I'm communicating with you, chances are, I'm writing 500 emails. I'm sending you the quick response because to me, I think you want the answer quickly. Not that, um, you know, but you might receive it thinking, oh, I'm not giving you enough time or I'm being too short in my response. But in my head, I'm like, oh, she needs this answer and I want to get it to her because that's how I like to receive information. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a big one. Communication styles can really um, alter how a person sort of sees you and it may be completely unintentional. So I have to ask you, with your self-described communication style, how have you survived being in the South? <laughs> Originally from the South. So I, know. I, I it's called code switching, right? If right. you get really good at code switching um, and you know who you need to do it with, it gets a little bit better. Um, who, who needs some more of the bless your heart mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. of those? I did have a post-it note for a while because I did it. I had moved to Texas and lived in, you know, with a different culture and everything and then come Mm -hmm. back and I had forgotten how you're supposed to do all of the like, (laughs) how's the weather? Mm -hmm. How's your mom and dad? I, I I definitely remember coming back and I had a post-it note at one point that said, don't forget to ask how they're doing. (laughs) I had just gotten so used to a different type of communication style Mm -hmm. where I was and switching back. I was like, oh yeah, don't forget. This you, it's expected to ask people. It's okay to mm-hmm. ask people how they're doing. They're not going to get upset or offended. They're actually expecting you to ask these things. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I I, I love the communication styles because I grew up in South Carolina, so I'm Southern by by birth. It counts. And uh, and it, it was always interesting, you know, what when I became a speech pathologist to sort of sit back and watch some of these communication. Uh, the type of communication that would be used. Uh, so in the South, you know, it's great. You can, you can, you can always sort of throw an insult, but it sounds at first like a compliment. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I just love that dress. <laughs> oh, thank you. Did Walmart have a sale? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, it's like, oh, it's like, you think someone's supporting you and they hit you over the head. Oh, the good um, one is honey. Anything that started oh, with honey. honey. Oh, honey. Let me you tell knew you. it wasn't good too, right? Like honey or babe, da 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 da. You knew that like something was coming afterwards. You were trying to soften the blow by adding sweet. that, but yeah, I kind of sweeten it up a little bit. But mm-hmm. you, yeah. you knew what you were bracing yourself for what was coming too. My my yeah. favorite Southern moment while we're on the topic because I did early intervention in North Carolina was my first job out of grad school. And um, I had this house that I had been to a couple times, but an older sister who was usually in school was there that day that hadn't seen me before. And I said, is your grandma home? And she goes, how'd you know my mama's name? (laughs) And that's still one of my favorite like Southern moments. How'd you know my mama's name? (laughs) I love it. That's so sweet. Um, It is a yeah, I have I have others I could tell, but I won't. We'll move on. Um, <laughs> let's see. What's something surprising that you've learned about yourself? So currently in this role, you know, I'm I'm leading a very large group of therapists, and I don't think I ever quite saw that in my future when I started out. And I I am definitely not the smartest. I don't necessarily know everything about all the things, especially when we're talking through financial statements or or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. But I have learned that I can be the best learner in the room. And I really can, you know, just, just work hard at learning as much as I can and listening. So Mm -hmm. um, it's been a little bit of a shift, my role of going from a speech language pathologist to more of this, you know, kind of C-suite type role. And that comes Mm -hmm. with a lot of different and unique challenges and things I never had to face as a, as a therapist. And so I have surprised myself a little bit at just my ability to continue to grow and listen and learn and be okay with not being the smartest or the best at something. Um, but if you are the best listener and you are the best learner, it can take you far. Uh, I agree. That's, that's really great. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite quote or a motto mm-hmm. or saying other oh, than the one gosh. you just shared which yeah. i think is a really good one be the best learner okay. in the room okay let's do that one um i i do have several quotes so there is a quote that is painted in my basement uh so right when you come down the stairs and it's um we only have one life in which to do everything we will ever do make it count right mm-hmm. so i think that was colin right and then a quote that i frequently refer to that is far too long to go into, but I'm sure most people um, have heard of it and seen it is the success quote by uh, Emerson. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. that's something that I've just used consistently. I pretty much always had it up in any office Mm -hmm. I've worked in. So success is measured by so many things, but that full success quote, um, especially like just knowing that one life has breathed easier because you've lived. Right. True success. Yeah. My, my mother-in-law, be it a cross stitch. I have it hanging in my office. The whole, the whole quote. Sarah. Favorite quote yeah, since that's high right. school. I've used mm-hmm. that pretty much in any speech I've given, at least a portion of it. And it's always been up in any office or space that I've had. That's, that's awesome. How do you define success? 
Well, look at that. Wasn't They're that a like perfect segue? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Could that have been better scripted? Mm-hmm. Unscripted? No, like that truly is my definition of success. And I truly have tried to live by that. Like I said, since high school, um, just making the world a bit better. And especially when it comes to, to people and just making their life a little bit easier in whatever way, shape or form that might be. Uh, and making those true and honest connections and being authentic in doing that, um, that truly is the ultimate success. Couldn't be better said. That's awesome. What's the best advice a mentor ever gave you about work or life? Another good one. Um, so for I'm, I am from the South. I did go to one of those rural high schools. Mm-hmm. I, um, my family did not go to college. There was a lot mm-hmm. of times I, you know, I spoke with some of the, I have to be honest, there was, I'm going to tell on myself a little bit. I played basketball and mm-hmm. people would ask me what position I played. And I'd say Ford, I played a Ford. Ford. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know. I did not know until like maybe late high school that it was actually called a forward. And I just thought I play. I thought that was the position Ford because that's how everybody pronounces mm-hmm. it, like an F O R D. Um, so there were mm-hmm. tons of examples of that where I go to college, I'm on a full ride, I'm in the honors program, I'm surrounded by these people, just crazy intelligent people, super mm-hmm. um, successful families and backgrounds, <laughs> and I'm still learning how to pronounce, you know, basketball positions and stuff. So. Um, <laughs> But, you know, someone along the way, a couple of people probably just told me, you know, be authentic to your values and who you are as a person. You don't have to change who you are. You know, that is part of you and and not being ashamed of that. Um, Because I think for a while I tried to push that away a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. but that is totally a part of of who I am. And so just being authentic to me and and what I bring to the table is good enough. Um, I ended up going on to become uh, 40 under 40 this year of that same that's, university. And that's uh, awesome. Mm-hmm. And I also run Granny Women of Appalachia. It's a YouTube channel where we are really teaching people how to grow their own food, make your own lard, do all these things. So like it's kind of come full cir- circle in being able to embrace that background completely. And they actually can teach me so many things mm-hmm. that you, you can't learn uh, anywhere else. So very true. Very true. Be authentic. We, When I was in grad school, we had a linguistics teacher that taught phonetics. So long story short, we had a, a young woman from South Carolina who was in the room, in the class, uh, in the cohort. And uh, she had a very thick Southern accent that even people who grew up in South Carolina, and she was from South Carolina, could not understand her. And um, it it was so strong that the professor would most of the semester he would bring in these international students who had english as a second language and then we would transcribe their speech to practice once she started talking in class he couldn't understand (laughs) (laughs) so he stopped having the international students come in and he just had her read lists of words and phrases and stuff we and we had to try to understand what she was saying (laughs) i hope he asked uh, her permission first i I was just thinking about that story (laughs) <laughs> I, so, you know, I live in the Appalachian Mountains. 
So we have the mm-hmm. Appalachian mm-hmm. English dialect, AE dialect. There's not a ton of research on it. And what is out there is a little bit older. Uh, I actually presented at a local university on Appalachian English. And I was shocked to hear things that like, you know, they have students coming from from different mm-hmm. states. And then I was shocked at how much they weren't familiar with. So that was very eye-opening for me because being like growing up here and living here, I was like, what do you mean you don't know what Iswani means? Everybody knows what that means, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, so it was a really eye-opening experience. We actually um, hopefully are going to present that at ASHA as well. Okay. So anybody's interested in learning about uh, Appalachian English, you'll have to look That'd be for awesome. I'll, I'll come listen. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, what, oh, excuse me. Do you have a hack that you've discovered? And it could be a hack around the house. So it be, could be a telepractice hack, could be mm-hmm. hack at work, be anything. Ooh, I'm always teaching random hacks to people, but currently a lot of the ones I'm getting are from TikTok where other people discover like great ways to cook things and like Mm. great ways to like, I don't know, um, a lot of Excel sheet hacks that, cause I'm not an Excel sheet person, but I'm trying really Mm. hard. Um, and so, yeah, I'm getting my, my, my hacks from, uh, TikTok now. So learning all kinds of cool new things. So check out TikTok. You want I hacks. mean, if you end up on the right, you know, you end up on the right. <laughs> the good algorithm. Kind of, the like yes. perfect algorithm where I'm, you're not I'm, getting random. I'm like on corporate things. workout Excel sheet TikTok right now. And it's it's a good place. <laughs> it's a good place. Good. Good. Last question. If heaven exists, what do you want to hear God say when you enter the pearly gates? What a great one. How about just come in, right? Like the last thing you want to hear when you get there is that you you don't have a ticket in. So I'm going right. to go with welcome, come in. Not not guided over to the escalator down, right? No, mm-hmm. no, we we just want that access in. Awesome. Well, Jessica, it's been great catching up. How can people reach out to you and learn more about Sidekick? They can reach out to me via email, jlh at mysidekicktherapy.com. Awesome. Thanks again. Good luck with everything. Thank you guys so much for having us. Well, that was Jessica Linden-Holt. Thank you again, Jessica, for joining us on the podcast. Go check out everything that Jessica is doing over at Sidekick Therapy Partners. And I wish her the best of luck in everything that she's doing. And thank you for joining us on this episode. Please, if you don't mind, share this episode or share the podcast with others, your colleagues. Um, We need to get more people listening, and that's what we want to do. So your help is always greatly appreciated when you help us do that. Leaving us a five-star review also helps us to attract new listeners. So that would be awesome as well. And until next week... Be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network.